Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. So Simeon Rice was at the Bucks camp today. It was kind of interesting. Um, you know, this guy looks like he could go get you about eight sacks, even at age 47. I mean, he keeps himself in such great shape. And I haven't seen Sim probably in about probably about a year or two. He still lives in Arizona. He's out here doing some stuff for, I think, Channel 10. Um, but be that as it may, uh, it was great to see him. And, you know, he said, you know, walking out on the field, just the smell of the grass kind of brings him back. Doesn't seem like it's been 20 years, but it's been like 20 years uh, since those guys played. But, uh, you know, it was also interesting watching him after practice talk to Joe Tryon, who is just just crushing it out here. I mean, Joe Tryon you know, is one of those guys, if you think about Todd Bowles' defense and, you know, the outside linebacker position, I mean, he's got Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett, right? So what a great opportunity for Joe Tryon to learn learn from them, uh, much the way Shaq Barrett learned from DeMarcus Ware and, and, and guys like that um, and Von Miller. But Tryon is, is, is able to come in and play either side. So he's going to be in the rotation and you know, you'll probably see him a lot on passing downs, obviously, because his forte is going to be rushing, not necessarily dropping into coverage, although he will do that. I mean, you could see a situation where Tryon could pile up some real numbers, especially if they have a lead, fourth quarter, that sort of thing. And, you know, maybe even a rookie of the year type um, candidacy because it, it's all about statistics, right? People don't see all these guys play. They'll see Tryon on national TV uh, about five times at least before they get to the postseason. So he's got a real good a real good chance to do some stuff now. You know, you got to stay healthy, and he is just a rookie, and let's not maybe pile on so much. But he should not have been the thirty second pick in the draft. He's a much better player than that. He opted out, you know, is in, in the Pac twelve because it looked like they weren't going to have football. It turned out that they only played about four games or so. So he hasn't played football. This will be his first game on Saturday against the Cincinnati Bengals since two thousand and nineteen, December two thousand nineteen. Now he hasn't forgotten how to play. And, you know, he's been down here for a couple of months now working in this heat and training. And I'm anxious to see what, what he can do. And, um, you know, uh, he he was sort of looking forward to and then talked to Simeon Rice. You know, he, he says, you know, that's one of the OGs um, of Tampa Bay history. And he is. And the thing about Simeon Rice, because we just got back from uh, from Canton. I don't know if we have a question about this. We're going to do our mailbag segment today. Rick Stroud with Steve Versnick here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. And I don't know if we have a question about Rice with respect to the Hall of Fame or not, but, um, man, his numbers are crazy. You know, hundred and what, 122 sacks, I think, mm-hmm. in a 12-year career, averaged over 10 sacks a year, uh, 25 forced fumbles, which Simeon had, had this ability, um, unlike any guy I've seen, to come off the edge and not just get the sack but to get the ball out. That was his forte, was was turnovers. And so he had impactful plays. A sack is a very impactful play, obviously. Uh, puts you way behind the sticks. Um, often happens on third down. But a sack fumble is, is you know, 
the the big daily double right there, mm-hmm. and he would do that better than any player I've ever seen with the Bucks. I mean, Sap was great. They all emphasized getting the ball out. Nobody nobody had this this ability to turn around, turn the corner, grab the quarterback with his left arm, and then whack that thing, you know, the the ball out of the quarterback's hands with his right. Uh, he just did it over and over again. So um, I think. You know, Simeon has numbers that are comparable to, to I think only Leslie O'Neill has more sacks who's not in the Hall of Fame. He's the only other player with that many sacks as Simeon Rice that is not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And um, and then, of course, Simeon should be the next guy in the Ring of Honor. Um, you know, I I know there's talk about James Wilder or, or Warwick Dunn and these kind of guys, and they're all very deserving, but to me – if you're going to continue to honor that Super Bowl team, Rice absolutely should go up on that stadium. Well, here's the question with Simeon Rice, and, and forget the Hall of Fame part right now. Mm-hmm. He's 47. Tom Brady's 44. Who looks better? Because <laughs> I mean, you well, know, I mean, you said Simeon looks like he could go out and get eight sacks right now, and Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the game. Uh, I know. At 44. So uh, you know, which one looks better out there? I mean, is TB12 or is it Simeon? Well, I mean, it, different body types, right? Oh, uh, sure. sure. First of all, and nobody looks, had a few no, years off, which helps too. In the yeah, yeah, nobody looks better than TB12. Let's just be honest. I don't know how he does it. Um, he's a good-looking man. Okay, uh, he he just is. But as far as you know, I mean that's that's a great way to put to put the question because forty-seven and forty-four, not a whole lot of difference there. I mean, Sim mm-hmm. Sim was drafted in nineteen ninety-eight, I believe, and I think that. Uh, I'm pretty sure you know Tom Brady. His first year was 2000. Yes, it was. Yes. So from a you know just from a playing standpoint, think about that. That Sim is only two years or so. You know, yep. I mean, two seasons removed from when he started playing and when Tom Brady started. Brady's <laughs> so, career is amazing. I saw a graphic on social media. I think it was CBS Sports. If I'm yeah. if it was somebody else, I apologize. But it said Megatron drafted 2004. Tom mm-hmm. Brady's winning his third Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. 2021, Megatron's going in the Hall of Fame. Brady's won his seventh <laughs> Super Bowl and still playing. <laughs> well, and there was another one, and we talked about this on the podcast when we were gone. He's had three Hall of Fame careers. Yes. You know, if you just took, uh, you know, in his thir- in his 20s, right, in his 20s mm-hmm. to 30 years old, that was a Hall of Fame career. In his 30s, that's another Hall of Fame career. And in his since his 40s. Um, he has won two or three Super Bowls, and you know you look at the numbers and the passing yards and the touchdowns and all that. That's another Hall of Fame career. So in in a way, he's had a total of three Hall of Fame careers wrapped in one. It's just remarkable, and the consistency of that is what is what really stuns you. You know, you don't see any appreciable drop off in terms of his production, not just in passing yards, because that's the thing, right? I mean, you know. Anyone can pile up stats. I mean, Jameis Winston did it for years here. He threw for 5,000 yards his last season. What did it get him? 30 interceptions, got him out of Tampa Bay and as the third quarterback in New Orleans. But for Tom Brady, he's put up those numbers, and he's won, and won at the highest level and won a total of seven Super Bowls. But they've all been spaced out, you know, throughout those three decades uh, or three different, you know, eras of playing. So, yeah, it's just just incredible. But, yeah, Simeon Rice, Brady, two years removed from each other. Uh, in, in from a football standpoint, and and one guy has now been out of the game for a long time, um, and the other one is still winning. So different positions, obviously, but fun to think about. 
And what started the conversation, of course, we were talking about Joe Tryon, and mm-hmm. you know I, that's one of the luxuries the Bucks had this season. Oh yeah, is they bring back all twenty-two starters from a team that won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That you could go draft a guy that that could be a little bit of a project. Not that Joe Tryon's a project, and I don't mean that, but he hadn't played a game since December of nineteen, mm-hmm. and so he might have a little rust on him. But you don't need him to come in and start. Right. You, you know, you mentioned could he possibly you know be defensive rookie of the year candidacy. I hope not, because if he's playing that much, that means something happened to Shaq or JPP. Mm-hmm. You know what what Joe Tryon's going to allow is to get some reps to give those guys rest, yeah. which is only going to make that defense stronger later in the season, assuming they can all stay healthy. Right. Uh, but you could take projects like Joe Tryon or Kyle Trask, who you hope doesn't play at all this year, and that right. your plan is not to. But you were able to do that this year and take a guy that should have been a higher pick, hasn't played in mm-hmm. a while, people weren't sure about some things. So let's bring him in. We, you, know, you know he's physically just impressive. Uh, you know, when you look at, you know, his the combines and, and, you know, the measurements and all, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, so it, it's a great luxury for them to have. And it just adds so much depth on the defensive line. If he can if he can come in and play some good minutes this year, that means Shaq and JPP and others are getting some some downs off, which is only going to make that team stronger in the end. I mean, you know, we remember Vita Vea missed a good por- portion of the season last year. And when he came back, it just invigorated that defensive line because he was fresh, too. Not only was he healthy and good, but fresh, and it gave, you know, and Dominican Sue and others some downs off, too, later in the season, which made mm-hmm. them better players as well. So that depth is going to be key. Yeah, and I think, you know, the Bucks. one thing they didn't do last year until the end of the season was lead games in the fourth quarter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you saw that in the playoffs, and you saw a lot of the turnovers and the sacks. Because teams had to throw to come back, and that's where you want them in the fourth quarter. You want to be able to run the ball, eat clock, pound pound a team that's going to go all out trying to gamble. You'll pop your big runs that way. Guys get a lot of yards. And then defensively, you want you want to know that they're one-dimensional, and that's where the sacks rack up. Well, if you can use Joe Tryon in the first quarter, in the second quarter, in the third quarter, and have Pierre Paul and Shaq Barrett really fresh, still fresh in the fourth quarter because they haven't played every snap during the game, now you've really got something, and Tryon, Tryon will be that guy too. And I just, um, you know, there's, there's, if he hadn't opted out, uh, a little bit of a knee injury, had off season, you know, had had a scope. Um, there's probably some flags on him, but but I think most of it was that that, you know, they hadn't seen him play since 2019. It, some of those guys that opted out, it hurt their draft status. There's no question about it. Um, but you know, just just watching him. Here's the thing. Every day in practice, he goes up against Tristan Wirfs and Donovan Smith. Every day. And Tristan Wirfs should have been a Pro Bowl player last year. Donovan Smith played like a Pro Bowl player in the postseason. I've never seen him play better than he did during that run to the Super Bowl. Um, and if, if, if that's your training ground and you can consist not consistently, but you can beat those guys um, you know, at a level that, that you need to be successful as an outside linebacker, then you, know, you have – Pierre Paul and you have Shaq Barrett mentoring you, and then in practice every day you're going against two of the best tackles in the game. I just don't see how you don't get better. And he's a serious football player. You know, you know there are guys that like to be in the NFL, but they're not serious about football. This guy was an overachiever uh, pretty much his whole life in college, raised by a single mom. This is a story very similar to Tristan Tristan Worf's uh, sister in medical school. Uh, you know, one of the things the Bucks did. 
and when they you know a few years back when they started talking about um evaluating players was you know they looked at the makeup of these guys and the thing that catches your eye about Tryon is he had like a 3.5 GPA at Washington. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? There's a lot of guys with big GPA. Well, what it says to you is he didn't need a 3.5 to play at Washington. You know, he needed a 2.0. And guys that will achieve because it matters to them, you know, it just matters. They Whatever they attempt, they want to do well at, that's Joe Tryon. And, and you see that in practice every day. Every day he's trying to get better. And – um and I'm telling you, he, he, he's wrecked some practices already. Uh, and, and that's against really good competition, you know, NFL caliber players, Pro Bowl caliber players. So if he keeps this arc and the Bucks are in position with their defense to, you know, and, and let, you know, let a guy like Todd, Todd Bowles figure out where to move him uh, around like a chess piece to get him in, in good one-on-one matchups, he's going to have a big year. And, you know, he may not have to play much to pile up some sacks, you know, in that scenario, he may he may get the numbers without having to play all the snaps, but um, he looks really really good. One guy that's apparently not looking as good, at least blocking. Ooh. Oh man, Bruce Arians. The last couple of days, you know, think about Bruce Arians. He does not he does not mince words. He does not spare feelings. None of that. And we sh- and it, you should have learned that last year when Tom Brady's first game against New Orleans, they lose, and he comes out and you know this caused a big national uprising, but. Uh, you know, Bruce was asked about it, and he said, well, you know, made a bad throw there, poor decision there. And everybody's like, "Woo, how do you criticize the GOAT? And I don't necessarily think Brady liked it, <laughs> especially that early on in their relationship. But having said that, that's who Bruce is. You know, coach him hard, hug him up later. Um, the thing about Bruce is he'll go rip some guy to the media, and then he'll go in the locker room or he'll find that guy and say, I just ripped your ass, and here's what I said. Like, he does not – there's very little that he'll say publicly that he hasn't either already said or will then say to the player himself. And so uh, he was asked about Tanner Hudson, who's, I don't know, third-year tight end, I think, from Memphis. Uh, really good receiving tight end. Hadn't played a ton, obviously, because when you get guys like you know Rob Gronkowski and Cam Brayton in front of you and at one point O.J. Howard. But Howard got hurt, and he was sort of their third tight end for a good portion of last season. Um, and so he, you know, he was asked about Tanner Hudson and he says, well, he's got, he's got to block somebody, anybody. (laughs) And then, and then somebody said, well, is he, is he getting, is he getting, uh, is he progressing in that area? And he goes, no, he's regressing. Ooh. How'd you like that practice evaluation? Yeah, that's not good. That doesn't help you uh, find a job somewhere else if you get cut either. No, it does not. Not unless you're looking for a, a a receiving tight end, and most guys, you know, have to do more than that. I mean, that's sort of inherent in the position. If you were that good of a receiver, you'd be a receiver, right? So there's something. He's a big guy. He doesn't run as well as receivers. He's got great hands. I'll say this: Tanner has some of the best hands on the football team. But wow, that was uh, that one was that was a tough evaluation there. Um, Cam Brait was back, so speaking of tight ends, uh, he he moved around a little bit. First day, they didn't do much with him, but um, uh, you you could see he was. It, there's nothing worse. I don't care what sport you play, but particularly football, because football of all the sports, the best ability is availability. When you're not practicing in football, when you when you're injured, it doesn't matter who you are. You're just persona non grata. Like you're just standing over there. You can't help them. You can't help anybody, and so. 
you don't feel like a part of the team, but, um, you know, but, but at least Brait is, is, you know, starting to do some things and they were taking it easy on him. So, uh, but there are other, you know, this one thing, the tight end room is, is pretty deep. Well, we'll start the mailbag there, actually. Narenda mm-hmm. asked, after calling Tanner Hudson a wide receiver, mm-hmm. any chance of someone else at the fourth tight end spot? Yeah, I do. I and and if I had to handicap it right now, um, based on those latest comments, I say a guy like Cody McElroy is is probably in a pretty good position uh to, to maybe take Tanner's job. Uh you know, McElroy did some things late in the season. The thing is he's a better blocker. Um, you know, and, and here's the thing, like you don't know who you're gonna lose, right? So so you need depth, you need special teams depth, you need guys that can run and be physical on special teams. That's not a description they use with Tanner Hudson. So what can Hudson do? How can he help you on special teams while he's waiting for his chance to play some tight end? And if you were to lose an O.J. Howard or Rob Gronkowski, you need someone who can block. You know, you can't say, well, we lost Cam Brate, so we got Tanner Hudson. We're good there. I mean, Cam, Cam was one of the worst blockers I've ever seen when his career started. He's worked really, really hard at it. He's not going to He's not going to blow you away or blow anyone away on the on the offensive line when you watch him, but he he gets himself in good position and he doesn't, you know, he's not a he's not like a saloon door. He's gonna he's gonna get in front of somebody and stick his head in the fan, as they say, and, he, and his face in the fan, and he's gonna block you, uh, not for long, and and you don't want to do it all day, uh, but if he's in a help situation or one on one, he can hold his own for short spurts. Uh, again, you try to put guys in positions where they they can excel. Cam Brate's not a great blocker, but he's adequate and he's worked hard at it. Um, and I think Mac, I think Cody is, is a pretty good blocker. Uh, and I know he's shown some signs of catching the football pretty well. So yeah, if I if I was going to say, well, if they're going to keep four and Tanner's not one of them, um, I would think it'd be McElroy. All right, UK Bucks had asked, "What's the Buccaneers' record going to be at the end of the season? And do you think they make it back to the Super Bowl?" Wow. Uh, well, so you're headed to Vegas and you want some tips. Is that what I'm hearing here? Uh, or wherever they can bet in the U.K. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, exactly. U.K., yeah. Um, record would be a little more easy, I think, than if they make it back to the Super Bowl. Um, they play 17 games. Not knowing injuries, we're going to discount all of that. We can't predict, you know, Brady gets hurt, uh, you know, two or three receivers. You know, in Domicon, Sue, Vita Vea. I mean, we don't know, right? There's, there's, that. Those are the assassins behind every door in the NFL, right? You can't see them. You don't know. They're out there. You hope you don't get struck. Every team, there's going to be a team that's going to get wiped out. You know, it just is. And they're already starting to see that with the Indianapolis Colts. Some of those assassins show up in the preseason, you know, and and the Colts could their season could be drastically altered before they get to the to the to the starting line. And that's that's the scary thing about preseason. And there'll be other teams that'll just get obliterated on on one position. I think that was the Kansas City Chiefs last year between the opt-outs and the injuries. That's why they probably didn't win the Super Bowl. They've gone about rebuilding their entire offensive line since then. So we'll see how they do this year. Um but if you're playing 17 games, they're probably going to be favored in 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 about well over three quarters of those, um, if not all of them, depending on how they're playing at the time. So I'm going to say that under normal, sorry, 16 game season, I would think the under over would be about 11 or 12. 17 game season, 
I think it's probably about 12 or 13. Um, I don't see a lot of teams on their schedule that they're not going to be better than. So, if again, no no crystal ball here, but if everything, if you ask me today, with 22 returning stars, they were all back, and everything stays relatively healthy against the other teams, I think they're going to win between 12 and 13 games. You know, I don't think 13 and 4 is something that's not achievable. And could it go north? Yeah. Could it go south? Sure. But I think right around 12 or 13 wins is where they're going to be, which, by the way, would match or exceed the best record in franchise history or the most wins in franchise history. So that's kind of where they're at. And as far as the Super Bowl goes, again, that, you know, 12 or 13 wins might get you the number one seed. I mean, last year, um, you know, the Green Bay Packers hosted the championship game because they were 13 and 3. They've been 13 and 3 the last two years in a 16 game season. So you're probably going to have to win 13 games, maybe more with 17 game season to get home field advantage. Um, I'll say this if, if they, again, if they're healthy, you would think they would win the division. You don't, would not think that they would have to go the wild card route and go on the road. So a division winner. First or second seed um, this year expanded playoffs. I think only the first seed stay home. You're going to have to play somebody. Um, I I think there's a real good chance they make it back to the NFC Championship game. I don't know if they win that though, because again, even last year, you know everything had to go their way. Every break, um, you know, from an injury standpoint, getting Vita Vea back. The weather in Green Bay was pretty balmy for them that time of year. Um, no fans when you're going on the road four times to play, you know, to, to make it to the Super Bowl. So there was a lot that kind of went their way. Uh, and they, and good for them. They took advantage of it, and they were playing better than anybody when the season ended. But, you know, not knowing that that's going to be the case this year, uh, I, I can't predict a Super Bowl. I cannot predict back-to-back Super Bowls. I think it's too hard to do. Hasn't been done since 0304 with Brady. Uh, but do they get to the championship game, and then, then you see? I think they do. I think they have a really good chance to go back to the championship game to see if they can repeat. All right, Ellis asks, as it relates to the preseason games, who on the Bucks roster might surprise some people if they're given enough playing time? Well, um, there's going to be some guys that are going to stand out just because they are going to be given some playing time. Um, and, you know, not it's not sexy, right, offensive line, but I, I would keep an eye on a guy named Nick Leverett who's from Rice, who played a little bit last year, uh, came came in late in the season, uh, was a practice squad guy for a while. Leverett is, has carved a role out on this team that I think he might he might make the roster and, and maybe knock some people off the roster. He has the ability to play guard. He's listed as a guard under a roster a year ago, but now he has shown the ability to play tackle and play left tackle on top of that. Uh, Donovan Smith, somebody who doesn't miss many games or many snaps, let alone games. Um, but you wonder, you know, right now, Josh Wells is his backup and Josh Wells can only play tackle. Um, so to have a guy like Leverett, who could be very, you know, started as a guard and now has shown the ability to move outside and, and he, and he holds his own. I watched him. This is, this is an interesting story because I watched him in pass rush drills the other day against Jason Pierre-Paul, who was killing some people. And Jason Pierre-Paul lined up against Leverett, and Leverett put him on the ground twice, back-to-back pass rushes. Put him on the ground. Wow. So 
yeah, he's a strong dude with great feet and making strides. So I'd look at him. And then another guy, of course, last year played the playoffs, started all the games as Aaron Stinney. Um, he's having a good camp. So there's some offensive linemen there. I think you're going to fall in love with Jalen Darden because he's just so fast and he's so quick and can do stuff after the catch. He'll be out there a lot um, you know, with uh, guys like Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin and, and uh, Kyle Trask. So Darden's going to get a lot of run. Um, let's see. Uh, who else might surprise? I'll tell you who will surprise you, and I think he's going to get a lot of reps. Keyshawn Vaughn's going to surprise you. Keyshawn Vaughn has made himself into a, a you know a pretty decent receiver. Like he's worked really hard at it. I think he's gained Brady's trust a little bit. Now it's a crowded backfield, and he's going to absolutely have to make the team on special teams. Um, but he's a second round pick, and he's the only running back who's got a contract beyond this season, and that's not a small thing. Um, general managers love their draft picks, and if they don't work out the first year, they they continue to love them. Look at Ronald Jones, who had all of forty four yards as a rookie. Um, a lot of people probably down on Vaughn. They didn't see him very much last year. He had no training camp, no preseason games. Made the one of the biggest plays against the Chargers in that comeback win, the go-ahead touchdown on the play. O.J. Howard got hurt. But he's he has gained Brady's trust and has made some really, you know, the grimy catches, as, as Bruce Arians would call them, um, you know, in traffic, in the end zone, the red zone, that sort of thing. I, I think he's going to get a lot of looks and a lot of carries, and I think he's going to surprise people because uh, I think he's a better player than he showed as a rookie, and I think that extra year in the NFL is starting to show. So there's there's just a few um, for you to kind of watch, and along with uh, you know Cameron Kinley, who the kid from Navy that I think is going to be a good football player. I think he makes his team at least on the practice squad, um, you know, because he's he's fast, he's athletic, uh, he's got some man cover skills. And, and he's going to play a lot. Going to play a lot in the preseason. All right, Eric asked, how is O.J. Howard looking? He looks like a guy that's unsure of, of, his, of, his, uh, of his leg, of his ankle. You know, I mean, um, he had an Achilles injury, really significant injury, ruptured Achilles, nine-month injury. And, you know, one that you have some atrophy in your calf because of the immob- immobility of that uh, tendon. And, um, you know, he he's sort of working into practice a little bit, um, going full speed. Doesn't seem to be any kind of pain or discomfort. I think it's a confidence thing. I think when you when you experience an injury that traumatic, um, and not from a pain standpoint, he said he could handle that. But whether it's an ACL, Achilles rupture, I, I think you're still sort of you know trying to put it out of your mind and play fast. And and to me, he looks like a guy that's still not there yet. He's you know, he's not in the shape and doesn't have that burst, doesn't have that explosion that you, that you need off off your ankles, off your feet, your calf. Um, I think he's kind of feeling out that right now. I think he's testing it, and he's not practicing every single day. I think they're being smart. Um, but do I think OJ will, you know, by the time the regular season starts, be ready and, and play his butt off? Yes, because he's, he's one of those guys that's had football taken away from him. Um, his why has changed, right? Because now he has a little daughter uh, since last year. And, you know, he was absolutely off to a great start before he got hurt. Brady is a big fan of his, believes in OJ. He's going to go to OJ. So he, he's looking better, but not not all the way back. He looks like a player that, that you know, 
had a nine-month injury, which is, those are sometimes your best year is a year after you come back. You know, you may play all of this season and then next year, but this is the season he needs to do well because it's his fifth-year option and he's going to be a free agent. And that also is going to motivate him because if he has a good season, whether it's here or someplace else, he's, he's looking at his biggest payday. And uh, guys that are in that situation generally lay it all on the line. So uh, I don't think OJ is going to hold back. I think he's he's going to go out there and play as if every play is his last because he knows that that is indeed the case, uh, having gone through it a year ago. All right, David tweeted us and says, I remember going to a pedestrian afternoon Bucks vikings game back in 2002, and it was still electric. Sap, Rice, etc., dancing on the field during each TV timeout. The crowd was always amped. Who provides that on-the-field-to-the-crowd energy with today's Buccaneers? Unquestionably, Devin White. Um, and I think, to some degree, uh, I think JPP is an energy guy, too, on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, funny I didn't mention an offensive guy, but demonstratively, you know, the receivers are, are very often divas, so if you're looking for one of those, I would say Antonio Brown. He's the energy guy. Scotty Miller is an energy guy. Uh, Brown is very demonstrative, uh, even in practice. I mean, I can't believe the guy's 33 years old. I, I, you, just, you watch him, and, and he just has this youthful exuberance about him, you know, where there's nobody that wants to be practicing more than Antonio Brown, which is really cool. So you're going to notice him. Um, but Devin White, I mean, whether it's through his play, um, his celebration, uh, you know, talking in the huddle, taking command of a huddle, taking over a game. Uh, again, I'll consider, continue to say it. I think he's going to be a defensive player of the year, player of the year candidate. Uh, and, you know, Levante uh, will have his moments not as flashy on the field. Incredible player, you know, with, with unbelievable numbers. But Devin is that guy that you, you, you know you know when he makes a tackle. You know when he makes a, a big play. Hell, he called his shot against some people last year. He's always talking, and yeah, for me, it's it's Devin White. All right, Ghost Snarf tweeted and says, "Have the Bucks announced their uniform combinations for the season?" I saw the Giants are wearing their white color rush unis at the November twenty second Monday night game here in Tampa. I don't know that they have. Um, I you know I haven't at some seen point, it if they did. No, at some point they declare those with the NFL. Um, have not seen it. I'm trying to think, of, you know, what they try to do because it's so damn hot here in September and even October is they try to wear white tops at home early in the year in September and October, and then they'll generally switch to the red uh, in the later months, November, December. And then in this case, their color rush, you know, is the all pewter. Same thing would apply unless unless it's one of those games that are, uh, and again, I don't know how the league arrives at this. That both teams are going to be color rushed, you know, uniforms in that on that particular day. But my guess is that uh, at least early in the season, you'll see a lot of um, at home probably all white, you know, or maybe white with pewter pants, but probably all white. If I had to guess a combo, I would say that they're going to be wearing their whites. Um, although, uh, let's not forget this: the Dallas game is a Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. So while it'll be warm, the sun is not a factor. So maybe they maybe they wear their Super Bowl uniform. You know, maybe they come out in the same colors they wore in the Super Bewl, which was uh, the white jerseys with the red numbers and the uh, pewter pants. I believe. I kind of hope they wear the red. 
for the yeah. opener. For the opener, it's a night game. Like you that. don't worry about the heat. Yeah, I like that. Or your traditional I, that's colors. My, it's my favorite colors and my favorite uniform. Again, they won't. They'll probably wear the Peter pants, but they. I lo- I love the red and white. I just do. I think it's sharp. All right, Adam asked. ESPN has released their power rankings for the coachings for the next three seasons, and in the coaching category, the Bucks were ranked tenth. The Patriots were ranked first. With the debate of TB12 versus the hoodie clearly over, how is the hoodie number one, and how would you rank the Bucks coaching staff? Well, I mean, listen, Bill Belichick still won six Super Bowls. You could say, oh, he did it with Brady, and it was more Brady than Belichick. Mm, okay. Uh, he still has a scoreboard, and Bruce Arians has one. Um, now he won it with Brady, so you ask yourself, well, what if he had Brady for 20 years? Okay. I get it. I get all of that. It's to me. It's weird when you are you you know are you ranking head coaches or are you ranking coaching staffs? Because I'm here to tell you, I believe it was the coaching staffs. Yeah, you would be really really hard pressed to find a better staff than the Buccaneers. They may if they're not number one, they're number two. Um, I think when you've got a Todd Bowles as your defensive coordinator, um, you know Byron Leftwich, who is a, a a rising I guess star in this league, uh, you know wins a Super Bowl. Yes, with Tom Brady. But you know what? That didn't hurt Josh McDaniel's career. You know, it, it didn't hurt all those offensive coordinators that went on to get head coaching jobs like Bill O'Brien and others when they were in New England. So if you're gonna do that and, and say that they were great because they were with Brady, then you gotta say it you gotta say it about you know, a guy like Byron Leftwich. And then you go from there to uh you know, to really all their coaches are just extraordinary. I mean, I think that you know, Clyde Christensen, who's coached both Manning and Brady um, there are guys on that staff that have been, you know, Keith Armstrong that played for Bruce Arians. He's got guys on that staff that have been with him for 30 years at various places, either as players, coaches, or both. Um, you know, Larry Foote. And, I mean, you could go on and on. So I I really do love the Bucks coaching staff. I think that's one of the reasons they win. They develop players, and they develop them quickly. Um, and, you know, for those reasons – I, 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 you know, the, the, the Patriots have changed coaches a lot. They've had a lot of turnover, even, even the last few years, um, you know, guys go away as head coaches, get fired, come back. I like this coaching staff. I put them up against any in the league. I really would. I think that's the secret. You know, BA will tell you he, he credits his coaches and he's the CEO of this thing and he sets the tone and they know what he wants because they've all been with him for years and years. But it's this coaching staff that gets it done for the, for the Bucks, and I don't know that there's many that are better. I, w- I don't know how many I would trade with. I mean, you can you know you can talk about Sean McVay, you can talk about you know some of the some of the superstars in the game, the young guys. Um, but boy, I like this staff. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently: Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. All right, we'll switch to the Rays now. We should mention we're taping this before the Tuesday night game against Boston. Yes. In which DJ Johnson now officially placed on the IL. Ryan Yarbrough now goes on the COVID-related list. He was mm. supposed to pitch on Wednesday, so he will not pitch. 
Goodness. Uh, Randy Rosarina reinstated from that COVID list, and Louis, uh, Lewis Head recalled. So uh, just more pitchers going down for the Rays. Of course, we're not sure what with Yarborough if it'll be longer or, you know, he's on the COVID-related list. I don't know if that means he's got COVID or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, But uh, just a, a note on the Rays there before this big series against the Red Sox where they could really open up some distance if uh, mm-hmm. if they can take at least two out of three in this series. Although now you don't have Yarborough, who was going to be your starter for game two. So, right. Uh, but uh, Michael had written us and it was kind of commenting on our podcast yesterday. I still say the defense is what's driving the race. That's why their bullpen can be so successful with the next man up mentality. Guys can throw their stuff and allow the defense to make the play. When the Rays have struggled, it's the defense that comes up short. I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, it's kind of, you know, they're pitching and defense go hand, hand in glove, as they say. And I think that. You know, for your for your pitchers to be successful, they got to catch the ball behind them. You can't be given teams four and five outs. And it is true that when they were losing, um, they were making too many errors. I mean, after the All Star break, there's there's a graphic where they had like 15 errors the first I don't know 10 or 12 games or so. After the All Star break, it was like third in in the major leagues. That's not who they are. Um, but when they catch the ball, and that's most of the time. Um, they're very, very good, and, and and that how does that not help your pitching staff? So, I I do I I would agree, you know, and it's also it's also the flexibility that Kevin Cash has with that lineup and and those those defensive players because they're so versatile. You know, when Joey Wendell can play second, third, or short, when you know Yandy Diaz not preferably but can play third or first, um, you know, Wander Franco can play anywhere. Uh, you know, some of those guys can play the outfield. You know, it's it's that flexibility that Cash has, and and not just play it, but play it well. You know, it's one thing to say we're going to put a guy out here and he's going to play this position today, but most of them are pretty outstanding. I mean, even Jiman Choi, who you know, when they got Jiman Choi, I looked at him and said, well, "He's going to be where are you going to play him? He's a defensive." No, really good first baseman. You know, um, so you know, then you look at Zanino and, and, and that I. I do think that the defense is is a big story. Now, we just talked about it the other night where, you know, look at the home runs. Look at the look at the hitting that these guys, look at the bases on balls. They still strike out a lot. Um, we know that. But I think their offense is is underrated. Um but I but I still think that pitching and defense will drive this club and you know, you have to catch the ball uh if those guys are going to be successful on the mound and I think it is Look, when you could pitch to contact, it's a lot easier. You know, when you go out there and know that as long as you keep it in the yard, there's a better than average chance they're going to catch it out there. And and then talk about the outfield with Kiermaier and, um, you know, those Rosarina, those guys are so fast that really, you know, Phillips, whoever you put out there can run it down. Um, I, I do think the defense is a big part of their success with the pitching. Well, and talk about bullpens. I don't know if you saw the Yankees game from Monday night. We were taping while it was going on, so we didn't see it. Right. But so when they blew that lead, or they blew four saves in that game. Woo! They scored in the seventh, blew it. Eighth, blew it. Ninth, blew it. Tenth, goodness. Blew it. Finally, gracious. won it in the eleventh inning. Wow! But they blew four saves in a game. Mm. Now they won the game, but still, that's hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to do, and that's what the Rays said. The Rays have. Um, not had so much success against other starting pitchers. They've beaten up every bullpen they face. And then, conversely, no one can touch the Rays' bullpen. 
<laughs> so they're, they're virtually unhittable, and that's and that's why they come back because they take advantage of everybody else's bullpen while theirs is just rock solid. So you see a lot of comeback wins. Uh, Tommy had written and says, hey, any word on where Brett Honeywell Jr. is? I thought he would be a good addition to the Rays rotation with Glass now out. Is he not built up, or is that why he's in Durham? I mean, I guess he is getting built up, but it is a great question because I thought that Brent Honeywell, we saw him early in the season, and you know, I think they used him as an opener. They might have pitched him in relief one time. Clearly, he's trying to build back after the because several Tommy John surgeries or elbow surgeries, I guess. Um, I mean, you read his numbers. I, I guess Neil Solons or somebody mentioned that maybe he's not pitching that great. He was struggling when they sent him down to Durham. Uh, they're trying to stretch him out too. Uh, his yeah. last game, he went five innings, gave up four hits, a run, pitched well. Okay. Uh, but good. he struggled for a while when he went down. Um, his numbers have been better of late. Yeah. But when he first went down and they were trying to stretch him out, his numbers were not good. He was not pitching well, Yeah. Um, which is why he hadn't been back up. Now, it's been better of late. I don't know if he'll get a call up soon. Uh, you know, Obviously, yeah. with all the injuries, it's it's very possible in that. But mm-hmm. um, he hasn't quite had the season that, you know, Rays fans had hoped for, and I'm sure he had hoped for either, so. I still don't you believe and it's human nature, right? Like you can say, Oh, I'm letting it go, I'm cutting it loose, I feel great, everything's fine. Again, you can't go through what he's been through multiple times and not try to evaluate every little twinge, every little soreness, you know, every little everything um that you feel in that arm after what he's been through. And and you know what? The race should be that way. They should take they should take their time with him. They should build him up even slower than they would most people because I think I think he needs to get out there and experience a sore arm. You know, experience things that you know that are normal, you know. Um Is Siri okay there? Yeah, she's okay. She jumped on me. Siri wants to talk <laughs> on the podcast, apparently. These Apple watches, man. If you say the wrong thing, she's gonna start yelling. Uh Maybe Surrey can tell us why he's not here. I don't know. But, I i mean, don't you agree? Don't you think that if, if there's going to be a guy you're going to be cautious with and not rush back into the majors under that kind of pressure and scrutiny, that it's going to be a guy like Honeywell? Uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and, you know, the other part of this is how little he's pitched over the last three or four seasons. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Know, just experience in, in, in that, too. Just being out there, um, right? The hard Getting part and for down. him, and, and, I, and I could be wrong on this, but I believe – Next year, this is his last year with options. So next year, they've got to make a decision because he's either on the major league roster or they have to put him through waivers. Mm. Is that he does not have options next season? Uh, and I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I'm right. So the other part is they have to make a decision on him. You know what are they mm. what what do they think the long term you know upside to him is or you know where where is he at after all these surgeries he's had and and how long it's taken him to get back because he had the Tommy John and then surgeries beyond that and then you know setbacks from there and and you know so you know what is his you know long-term prognosis with this team you know they have to determine that as well too so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting what they do with him late in the season here yeah well, he might get a look but um I would err on on the side of caution. It would be great for him if he does have more time. I mean that that we'll have to find out. But I I I mean they've 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 stuck with him and they've let him get healthy and and I, they really want to to see him succeed. And I hope it's with the Rays. But um, I just I think they got to be careful. 
So well, that'll wrap up the mailbag. Uh, we actually have a college football question, which Matt Baker is going to join us tomorrow. Perfect. So we'll uh, hold Carl's Save question yeah. about uh, football coaches for Matt tomorrow, which will be a fun right. question. Plus, we'll talk. You know, football camps are underway. USF, Florida, Florida State, Miami. Mm-hmm. Everybody's underway. College football is just uh, what three weeks away from Thursday night. It's incredible. All the conference realignments, that's a big story in college mm-hmm. football. Matt's been writing it back. It would be great to talk to Matt Baker. The yeah. Rays continue their series against the Red Sox. Yeah, and more and more um, uh, tributes and stuff coming out to Bobby Bowden. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Brooks had a conversation with him a few weeks ago, and, and Bobby, in typical yeah. fashion, didn't want to talk about himself and wanted to talk about Derek and what he's doing and everything else. And, you know, it's just kind of the guy that Bobby Bowden was. So he was right to the end, man. So he's going to be missed, no doubt about it. So thanks for joining us. Uh, we're here, of course, each and every Monday through Friday, and we'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to talk a little football later in the week, too, with Joey Knight. We'll preview the Bucks and the Cincinnati Bengals. First preseason game. Football previews your, are back. Yeah, man. World champion Buccaneers, defending champs, Super Bowl champs, are going to take the field in front of fans, as many as they that want to come. I know all the season passes are, are sold. I don't know how many will use them. For a preseason game, but also you might Tom have Brady. a uh, tropical storm or whatever. That. It might be a very wet game on Saturday. A rain event, yeah, yeah. Well, guarantee you one thing: that as we get to the start of the regular season, we'll be ducking from a few tor- uh, hurricanes because it happens every year. Yes. You know, every single year this time. That's one thing that's difficult about the this time of year in preseason. But anyway, hopefully they'll get all of that in and uh, check out the Tampa Bay Times and Tampa Bay dot com as well. Good story on Jalen Darden by Joy Knight. You want to look at that. So, yeah, thanks for joining us. For Steve Ersnick, I am Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food, Food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.